Let's thank the Lord for our worship team today, guys. Thank you so much. Well, God bless everybody. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I just want to welcome you, whether you're, you're here live and in person or online. Thank you for tuning in. Our lead pastor, Pastor Tim Spivey, uh, he's spending some time on a retreat this weekend with his wife. Uh, he's going to come back refreshed and ready to go. So we really, we're really thankful that he could get some of that time away. And today I get the, the, the honor and the privilege to, to preach, to teach. And I'm going to be teaching on a, a, a message or a story that we're probably all very familiar with. It's called the parable of the talents. That's basically as it's known. And for us to understand this parable that's in Matthew 25... Uh, I want to kind of set the scene a little bit so we understand what's going on. And for us to understand what's going on in Matthew 25 with the parable of the talents, I think it's very important for us to understand what's happening before and what's happening after because it's really going to frame that, um, it's really going to frame that story for us. So we're going to be in Matthew 25. So as you open up your Bibles or open up your apps or, or your browsers, whatever the case may be, let me just kind of talk about what comes before this parable and what comes after because it's very, very important. But to even to understand that, I want us to understand that the Bible often speaks in duality. Right? Often when you're reading the Bible, you can read what's going on and you can take and extrapolate the information from what's clear. But often it's giving a, a different message as well that's fulfilled later on. It sometimes is revealed in the future. For example, a, good, a great example is that is the Passover. All right? And so when the people of God were going to escape from Egypt, God gave them these instructions of what to do for the Passover. And he gave them a set of, of things that they were to do because the angel was going to come over and whoever did these instructions, right, whoever had one of the things they had to do was take a perfect lamb, right, take a perfect lamb, unblemished male lamb, and to sacrifice it. Well, this is kind of weird. Why would God be calling us to do this? And at that point, they kind of just understood what they were supposed to do and they were to, they were to be obedient on so they would take a perfect lamb, and, and then and this is how you're going to bake your bread, right? You're going to bake your bread with no leaven, with, with no yeast. No, okay, well, what does that mean? But they got to be faithful, and, and, and so they do that. And then they sacrifice the lamb, and, and they take the blood of the lamb, and they put it on the, on the doorpost. And now that blood of the lamb, right, as the angel passes over, he sees the blood of the lamb on each household, and that household now escapes death. Escapes death. And then there's certain there's certain meal they had to go with it, and of course the, the 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 bread with the no leaven or the no yeast, right, was flat. They didn't really know what they were doing, but they were being obedient, and it was flat. And, and so when they were to consume it, right, they were to consume it in haste, in a hurry. Why? Because they had to get going, right. And, and so the, the the bread with no yeast represents a, 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 a no sin, right, because a little bit of yeast leavens a lot of the bread. Right? And so there was all this duality and symbolism and things that would be fulfilled later on. So when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Right? But that didn't get fulfilled too much, much later in God's word. And if we, of course, we know the Lamb of God was Jesus Christ. Of course, we know through his death that was shed, his perfect Lamb, right? And we embrace it. Now, death passes over us. So there's a lot of those elements in the Bible uh, through different, different stories. And today, uh, for us to understand this parable, right, this is the parable of the talents. And in some of the, some of the versions, it's going to say talents. and some of the versions, it's going to say bags of gold, 
right? But essentially to understand what was going on. I want us to understand before and after, before we get into the elements of the story. So follow me here. If we were to read the first parts of Matthew 25, there's this, ter- this parable of the ten virgins. And here's the gist of the story, basically. The gist of the story is this, that there was ten virgins waiting for their bridegroom. Five of them were prepared. Five of them weren't prepared. So the five that were prepared for his return were ready and were able now to fulfill their life with their bridegroom. The five that were not ready suffered the consequences of not being ready for the return of their bridegroom. Okay? And we know that was speaking of Christ's return. We know that in the New Testament, in the Gospels, we see that Christ's ascension into heaven, a, 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 a supernatural ascension, but we also know that Christ is returning. Can I hear amen? Right? So Christ has, has left, but Christ will return again for his people and the church. We are the church, and we symbolize the bridegroom, the bride of the church, and Christ our husband. So, so that's the first part of Matthew 25 that says some people were ready and got the benefits of it, and some people weren't ready and suffered the consequences. And some were ready for the return, and some weren't. Then the last part of Matthew 25, after this parable, begins a a, a section on the ultimate judgment of God. And it talks about God's judgment and eternity and those that, that, that would be separated, the sheeps from the goats. So it's talking about the first part, about those needing to be ready for Christ's return or the return. And the last part, it's talking about a separation. And it talks about basically the final, final uh, 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 return of Christ, right, and the ultimate judgment. And so, right, these are some themes that are very necessary for us to understand to us understand this parable. Because at the surface level, it's going to be pretty clear of what it's talking about, right? But we need to understand at the deeper level what it's really telling us as well. And there's going to be some themes that aren't super popular to talk about, right? And so let's just take a look at some of those elements right now as we take a look, as we, before we get into the story right here. We're going to take a look at some of the elements of the parable, if we can put them up there, please. Perfect. The man on a journey, we want to hear about a man on a journey. In the story, that's going to represent Jesus for us. We're also going to hear in this story the journey, right? The journey is a time between Christ's ascension into heaven and his ultimate return. Right, you're going to hear about him going on a journey and coming back. What else we're going to see? We're going to see servants in this story that represents people. Okay, so when we hear servants of this king of this landowner represents people. All right, what else are we going to see? We're going to see talents in here. Some of them are going to say bags of gold. Some are going to say talents. This represents resources God has entrusted us with, and we're going to talk about that. Okay. Then what else we're going to see here is the joy of the master. The joy of the master, right? We're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So when you hear that, it's going to be representing heaven, right, which is a wonderful thing. But there's also a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's part of the story as well. Here's a clue. It doesn't represent heaven, Right? Weeping and gnashing of teeth does not represent heaven. It represents eternal separation from Christ, from God's presence. 
right? It represents hell. So we need to hear those things and understand those things as we move into the story. And before we start reading the story, when it comes to the talents, when, when the master gives the bags of gold or the bags of talents, depending on what version you're reading, we need to understand those are resources that are giving. But we also need to understand, to truly understand the story, we understand within those resources is faith as well that is given to each individual. Because if we don't understand that, the end of the story will not make any sense. Because there is a severe consequence for the individual that doesn't do what he's supposed to do with those talents, with those bags of gold, with those resources. And we have to understand that they are resources, but part of those things that the master gave them, part of the things that our master, that our God gives us, is an element of faith. And that's very, very important. Now, you would say, what about those that have no faith? Well, here's my argument. Everybody has faith. The issue is, what is your faith in? Right? I'm clear what my faith is. My faith is in that there's a God. My faith is that there's a Jesus Christ. My faith is that, 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 that he can save me. That's my faith, right? And it takes a certain element of faith to believe that, right? To believe in an omnipotent God that I've never seen, right? That takes an element of faith in that. To, that, that, that takes an element of faith for me to believe in Jesus Christ. Are, are you guys following me? Right? Because I've never seen Jesus Christ. I've never, I've never touched Jesus Christ. But I would argue this. The atheists that say they have no faith, I would argue this, have way more faith than I have. Way more. Well, how can I say that? They say they have no faith. Oh, no, they indeed have faith. Because they believe in something. Right? And their faith is much greater than my faith because they need to believe some crazy, crazy stuff. Right? They really need to believe. So, so for me to believe what I need to believe, it's this, that there is a God. Well, there's plenty of empirical evidence that there is a God. Can I hear amen? Right? I've never touched the wind. I've never seen the wind. But indeed, I've heard the wind. I've heard when the wind comes and goes. Right? Indeed, I have felt the wind against my face against my skin, right, cooling me off. Indeed, I have seen people and I have flown kites. And the power of that wind that I don't see is keeping that kite elevated, is keeping that kite in the air. So in essence, right, I have faith that there is wind, but you know what? There's plenty of proof, there's plenty of reason why I believe in that wind that I've never touched or I've never seen. There's plenty of reason that I believe in a God that I've never seen, that I've never touched, because I felt him in my life, right? I have seen evidence. I have seen, uh, if I've had experiences, my brain just shows me when I walk outside, right? When I go to a sunset and I see the sunset, right? Oh, that is amazing. And I see the ocean and I see the mountain and I see the stars, right? It's obviously that there is a creator behind that. Are you guys following me? Right? There's obviously a creator. Do you know how much faith it would take for me to believe that all that came from nothing? Oh, now that's a stretch. And that out of that nothingness eventually came something? That's a stretch. And out of that nothingness eventually came somethingness. And out of that somethingness, all held in a microscopic little something of energy. And then for that to explode, and out of that explosion... From chaos to order that contradicts the second law of thermodynamics, which is entropy, which means this. Things go from a state of order to disorder. We know that. For example, I took my minivan to Soapy Joe four days ago. 
Look at it now. A state of order to disorder. Bite into an apple. Take a look at that apple an hour from now. Take an apple two days from now. Take an apple two weeks, that apple two weeks from now. What happens? It's falling apart. Another example, watch me walk. Before my seventh knee surgery, I was a bit more agile and nimble than I am now. I'm going from a state of order to disorder because my body is breaking down. Yet, there are those that would have you believe that out of an explosion, out of chaos, came complete order and complete balance. And guys, that is ridiculous. As we know, just logically, remove faith, remove the Bible, it just doesn't make sense. But yet, they have faith. So within these elements that are given, and within these resources that are given to the servants, within there, faith is represented. And we need to understand that to ultimately understand the story here. All right, so let's dive into it here. Uh, before we start reading, a talent. When we're going to hear a talent, right, a talent at that time, right, was literally speaking about a weight of measurement of value. Okay? So... That talent, whether it was a bag of gold or different coins, was about 75 pounds each talent. So when the guy was given five talents, five times 75 pounds of this gold or whatever this value was, it equated to about 20 years worth of wages. So that's what was given out. It's not like he gave him a penny or a dollar or a coupon, right, or something, and all right, we want you to do something with this. Each, one, each talent was worth about $1.5 million in today's economy. So one got five talents according to his ability. One got two talents according to his ability. And one got one talent according to his ability. So that sets the framework for the, for the parable that we're about to dive into right now. So turn with me to Matthew 25, 14 through 15 says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Before we move forward, it says again, it. We need to understand that too, right? He's starting off with again, it will be like a man going on a journey. What is like a man going on a journey? He framed this whole chapter around what the kingdom of God is going to be like what heaven is going to be like. Are you guys following me? So again, it, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another bag, another one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. Matthew 25, 14 through 15. Let's take a look at James 1.17. This is going to help us anchor our first point here. James 1.17 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is what we need to understand, you guys. The first point of today's message is all of our talents are a gift. Everybody say gift. Everybody say gift. This is my hope, by the way. My hope is that after the message, that you can take today's message and give it to somebody else. That's my hope. Like if I did that, then I feel I was successful, right? Then after today's message, as you leave, that you can just say, this was the message was about, super simple, and hopefully sometime this week or beyond, you're going to get an opportunity to share this message in some capacity with somebody. 
But that's my hope right now, is that you would understand this message and understand, first of all, that all of our talents are gifts. What do I mean by this? Everything good that we have. Indeed, every resource man has, even deeper than that, is not their own. It is from God. Anything good that I have is from the Lord. Anything that's given to me that's good is from the Lord. And beyond that, I often think that what really has man created? If you remove all the raw materials, if you remove all the resources, if you remove everything and you just gave them a blank room of nothingness, what have we created? When you think about it, we've really created nothing. We have fabricated. Can I hear amen? Right? We have used resources. Right? We, have, we have taken raw materials and done things with them. But every invention, every creation we have has been used from raw materials that were given. And what we have, what we have to understand, you guys, very important. What we have is not ours. If we think what we have is ours, then we're flawed. Even so, my very own life is not mine. Why do I say this? Because it can be taken away as we speak. All my resources can be taken away. They are not mine. They are given to me. And since they are given to us, we are stewards. Okay? The verb steward means this. To manage or look after another's property. So we need to understand and have the mindset that we are stewards. That helps us understand who we are. We have been given things and we are responsible for those things to manage them for the owner. And that owner we know is God. And that owner that has gifted these things is the creator. So now we have to change our mindset from these are the things that I have. These are the things that belong to me. And understand these are the resources that I've been given to steward. Oh, if we understand that, that is going to make life more simple. And it's going to bring more joy because we understand that it's not about self. Right? A life lived for self is an empty, empty life. Can I hear Amen. It's an empty life. I, I have some friends that are, that, are, that are athletes and connected with coaches and connected with high level from Olympians to medalists to Hall of Famers to current college athletes. And I have a, a lot of buddies that are in that mix. And, and, and one of them is a, is a great friend to a coach that within the last 10 years won a, nas- won a, won a championship for a, a major sports league. So that's the dream, right? This coach has worked all his life. It's an NBA championship. And he won an NBA championship, and, and, and all of his focus in life was pointed to that moment. Wow, what a great, great moment winning that championship. But my friend told me after the initial joy and elation of winning that championship, throughout that year, that coach experienced more depression than he ever had in his life and was even wrestling with suicidal thoughts. Well, how can that be? How can that be that, that he wins a, an NBA championship, right? That he wins everything he wanted, and after that he feels empty? Because that represents a life of self, guys. And if we live our life for ourselves, and we've all done it in some capacity, 
We see how empty that is. But when we understand that we're stewards of great things that God has given us, that allows us to have joy in a whole different capacity. I used to work for a company called Owens Corning, uh, Pink Panther um, Installation, right? And it was a great job, uh, paid me well, a lot of autonomy, company car, American Express, when I travel, where stay in nice places, eat at nice restaurants, and was my own boss essentially for the West Coast. Oversaw the distribution of this product in California, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico, and, and a great sales job. Well, when I left that company, what do you think the company car went? Yeah. Where do you think my American Express went? I'm just left with my natural Panamanian Express, and it's not worth as much, guys. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. All right. Where do you think that computer they got me went? Where do you think all those things that they gave me went? You know what? It went right back to them. Why? Because that American Express was never mine. You know, that company car that felt like it was mine, right, because I'd drive it around and wherever I want, it was never mine. Right? All those resources they gave me, they were never mine to begin with. So ultimately, right, I had to give it back to the people that it belonged to, which was Owens Corning and a company, not mine. And you know what? We need to understand what we have is not ours, but we can be steward of it. I'd like to introduce on stage, live at this very moment, the lovely, the talented Pastor DJ Iverson. Let's go, DJ. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? doing well. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So uh, DJ, we all know and love DJ, but I wanted to bring him up the stage to ask him a couple questions and then he's going to take some time to display uh, some of the natural giftings and talents and resources that God has given him to kind of prove a point. But you are a very, very gifted artist. I appreciate your work. If you, you don't know, as you take a look at most of the graphics here have come from, from DJ's madness, the madness of DJ up here. Right, his, creati his creativeness, his creativity. Um, and, and so just personally, I really appreciate it. And I know that my friends do. I know that NVC does. So when did you kind of like first figure out you had some skills to pay the bills with your artwork? Uh, well, so I grew up, <laughs> I actually learned how to draw in church. So like I grew up in an old school church with the, in the pew, in the back of the wait, pews. Wait, translation? During the messages. Yes, during the messages. Thank you, thank you. I, in the back of the pews, they had the little cards, you know, yeah. for, you know, you fill out your name and stuff. And uh, much to the chagrin of the pastor, I just take all of them and I would draw. And so I learned to draw in church and I was always drawing. I would draw, you know, my own G.I. Joe figures. I'd do my own comic book stuff. And then people started asking me to do things for them. And that's when I kind of knew, like, there's something here. And a big one for me was in high school. Um, a friend of mine wanted to start a little music magazine, and nice. he's like, hey, will you do the cover? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all about this. And uh, so I did the logo and the cover, and then he asked me to do, like, all the layout and all the design of the magazine, and I loved it. I, I had a blast. And so that's what I went to college for. Um, I got my degree in graphic design, but I was kind of, like, in the mix of I wanted to do youth ministry, uh, but I also want to do graphic design. And so uh, I went to college for both. And I had a, a great professor there um, when I couldn't really make up my mind. 
um, he's like, you, you can do both for a living. Yeah. And so that's what I did. So, so you went to college. So you identified that you had this talent, this gift, right? A, a lot of that was other people speaking into okay. my life. Like I knew I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I knew I enjoyed pushing myself and, you know, creating my own little characters and making my own little jokes and comics and stuff. And, um, but a lot of that was people speaking in. And saying like, "Hey, you, you're good at this. You should keep doing this." Well, let's make a quick side note to that point right there. This okay. bonus, right, is okay. the, the beauty, right, of encouraging people. Absolutely. Right, the, the beauty in seeing uh, gifts and talents in other people. The beauty of identifying that, right, and and, the, and something that we can do to others to really kind of help empower them and help be a catalyst in their lives. So, so you identified your gift, and, and then you went to to develop it, right? Went you to went to school. It. Uh, spent a lot of time working on it and developing it and, and pushing myself and taking on new challenges and and trying out things that were a little scary, like painting in front of people live. Totally scary. So <laughs> you're going to be scared here in a little bit because you're going to be doing it. Uh, uh, but before you did full-time ministry, you were involved in some kind of some pretty cool projects with some names of organizations that we know. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, while I was in college, I got to intern for a couple uh, ad agencies uh, while I was kind of figuring things out. And uh, I like to say my most famous piece of work was for McDonald's. Um, I did a tray liner, you know, the little tray liners at McDonald's. I did one that... They are famous for their tray liners. Super famous. And uh, I got to do one actually for San Diego County. Uh, for and There was like a several million run. So if in like 2002, if you saw a tray liner for 91X and Six Flags, that was me. All right, all right. Big I thought deal. that was Kind you. of a big deal. I think of it up there, guys. DJ, yeah. DJ. So you're going to bless us now and kind of just give us kind of some sort of artistic representation of today's message. DJ, thank you, man. Go yeah, do your magic, you. and I appreciate you, brother. Awesome, awesome. So as DJ gets ready to do his stuff here, it's going to help us drive home the points, the rest of the points of the message. Let's go to Matthew 25, 16 through 23. And it says this, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had received the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter to the joy of your master. So, two of the three did what the master wanted them to do with their resources. Are you guys following me here? Right? So don't think of it only as monetarily, certainly it was in this message, but really he gave them things. He gave them resources. He gave them, and this story, money, but what it represented. And within there, once again, there's an element of faith to it. Two of them, with those resources and the element of faith that was given to them, used it for the master and did something with it. 
Point number two here. All of our talents should grow and glorify God. The first point is all of our talents are what? They're what, you guys? And we say gifts. What are all of our talents? Great. Point number two, all of our talents should grow and glorify God. All of our talents should grow and glorify God. Now, all of us may not have the talent that DJ has. We all saw that, by the way, DJ. Don't worry about it. It's super awkward. You just spilled the paint over everywhere. But that's okay. Not all of us have the talent that DJ has here, but we all have, I would say, these three resources, right? We all have these three resources here. So we all have, everybody say time. Everybody say time. Everybody say treasure. Everybody say talent. Right? So we all have this. Once again, there's an element of faith tied to this well that God has given us. But time. What are you doing with your time? Is what you're doing with your time glorifying God? Some rhetorical questions here that I want us to wrestle with today. Right? How's your time allocated? How's your time spent? What is priority in your life to spend your time? Well, if we see where you spend your time, you're going to easily see where you value. Right? So where's our time? Our treasures. Where's our treasures? Where's our finances? Right? Now, when you can think about tithing, when you think about offerings above and beyond, and you think about it through the world's lens, it really doesn't make sense. If the perspective is what you have is yours. You guys following me? Then keep it. Just do what you want to build your kingdom. Right? Take all what you have and build, build your kingdom. But if your perspective is a biblical perspective, which is everything that you have is God's in the first place and we're stewards, then we have to realize our finances aren't ours. Can I hear amen? That's just the truth. Right? They're not ours. God expects us to steward them. God expects us to manage them in a way that glorifies him. So where are we? Are we, are we a generous church? And thank God we're filled with generous people. Right? Where are you? Do you tithe? Do you give above and beyond? Right? Not as a mandate, by the way. Are you guys hearing me, guys? Not as a you're in trouble, but really as an understanding and a reflection of trusting God. And part of trusting God with everything you have is including your bank account. Because we really like to hold that to ourselves. And we really like to, like to separate that. But we can't because we understand our resources are not ours. So I encourage you today, if you tithe, if you give above and beyond, continue to do that. Continue to be blessed and bless others. And if you, if you haven't done that, I encourage you to take that step. At a young age, do that. Right? And if you haven't done it, I encourage you. Go trust the Lord with your finances and watch the blessings that will come. I like to say, and I really mean this, that I'm the richest man in the world. There are those with nicer watches. There are those with better minivans than I have. There are some with the touring edition. Right? There are those with better houses, uh, nicer watches, and better vacations, and, and all those things I like, trust me. I like watches, I, I like nicer cars, I like a bigger home. There's nothing wrong with that. But the things that are really valuable in my life, my, my walk with Jesus Christ, my, my family, my faith, my friends, right, where I spend my time, really I feel like I'm the richest man in the world. 
And part of that has been really me trusting God with all that I have, my time, my treasures, and my talents. The last one, what are you doing with the things that God has given you? Well, for me, I'll tell you what, as a pastor of the church, this is something that really encourages me. Because I see a lot, a lot of people here at this church, from the young to the more mature, old, serving the Lord faithfully, coming, inviting friends, using their gifts for God's glory, using their talents. Now, it doesn't have to be at church. This isn't a message if you don't serve at church, you're in trouble. You guys following me here? But that is a reflection of what you do with your gifts. Uh, uh, listen, our, our worship every Sunday, amazing. Every Sunday, amazing. And we have guys back there. We'll take Mark, the drummer, for example, that I know for the last four or five weeks has had 60-plus hours worth of work each week. That's overwhelming. You know where he is every Sunday? Right there. To the right of him, Scott, our bass player, keeping it down, right? Keeping it down on the bass. Right, see him smiling and, and, and laughing and worshiping the Lord. You know what, he's been battling some significant health issues for a while now. And sometimes every step he takes is a step of pain and severe pain. And whenever he can, you know where he's here? He's here in his base glorifying the Lord. Right. We got Billy, young Billy. Where are you at, Billy? Are you in here right now or he's probably serving somewhere? Oh, there you go. Hey, stand up, Billy, stand up, stand up. That's Billy, and Billy's awesome, you guys. Right? This young man loves the Lord. Right? This young man is faithful. This young man has committed his life to the Lord, has gotten baptized, right? has learned how to play the guitar, comes up here faithfully, right? and grows and multiplies, gets his preaching at school, leading FCA. Right? He knows that the talents that God has given him are for God's glory. I see the smiling faces in the lobbies, and I can go on and on and on. Right? But just as a microcosm of that, all those things happening here. But my question is, what are you doing with your talents? What are you doing with your resources? What are you doing with your abilities? Are there something that's glorifying God? Or are you using them to build your own kingdom? Right? And as we see in this story, right, the contrast of those that take those things and give it back to the master and say, I did something for your glory. We're going to see what the results are. And for that one servant that hid it and did nothing with it, did not do the will of the master, we're going to see what those results are here too. Let's go to Matthew 25, 19 real quick. Matthew 25, 19 says this. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Simply put, Jesus is coming back. Can I hear amen? Jesus is coming back. He ascended into heaven. Right? And there's this time frame right now, but ultimately Jesus is coming back. And we are going to be accountable for every word, for every thought, for every action that we've ever done. Wow. We need to be prepared when Jesus comes back. In my house, whenever somebody's coming, whenever a company's coming, something happens, something spectacular happens in our home. Everything gets dusted. Every, every fiber of carpet gets vacuumed. Every toilet is spotless, right? Every dish is cleaned. Every bed is made. Are you guys following me? For example, when my daughter Macy, her friend, came from, 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 from college to spend a week with us, 
we had to renovate the house and paint it three times before she came. <laughs> Little exaggeration there, but the point is that, you know what? Hey, somebody's coming. We got to get this place ready. Every, we all have our duties. Marco gets the easiest duties. He like fluffs the pillows and dusts. He has a little ex- duster extension. The one he hates is taking out the garbage, right? He hates that. But we all have our roles, right? When people are coming, we got to get that house ready. Why? Because someone's coming. Well, tell you what, you guys, Jesus is coming. Jesus is returning. Now, he may come in this lifetime, he may not. I don't know. But you know what? Whether he comes soon or later or I die, I'm going to be accountable to the Lord. And there's two options, right, that we're going to have. One is to enter into the joy of his presence. Or one is, as we're going to see here in a little bit, is different than entering into the joy of his presence. We are accountable for how we have stewarded what God has given us. Matthew 25, 24 through 25. Let's read this. It says, As he also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now we see the contrast. This one person that out of fear responded. We see what the results are. So real quick, we can respond to God, you guys, out of two ways. One out of faith and one out of fear. One out of faith is saying, you know what, I'm going to take these things, I'm going to give them back to you and they're yours. And the other is like, you know what, I'm afraid to give my life away. Here's the irony. To truly live, one must die. Because if you never die to yourself, you never truly live. In order for you to be born again, you have to die. You guys following me? And your real life doesn't start till you're born again. Your real life does not start till you're born again. And he had this fear, this fear to do what the master wanted him to do with his resources or to do what he wanted to, right? And so I encourage you guys, let's make decisions out of faith, not decisions out of fear. Because the fear is not from the Lord. And it's that fear of dying to ourselves. It's that fear of of not trusting God, right, that ultimately lead us to be separated from God. And that's not a place that we want to be. As we finish up here, let's read Matthew 25, the 26 of the rest. It says this, but his master answered him, check out this response, you guys. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew what I, that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will more, uh, will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant eesh, into the outer darkness. And that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Last point, all of our talents can be gone. Everybody say gone. Gone. We know that all our talents are a gift. 
We know that all our talents should grow and glorify God. We also know that all of our talents can be gone. So let's take a look at this real quick to really understand, right? So we know that it's not by works that we're saved. Are you guys following me? It's not by me being a good guy, by me multiplying my talents, by me serving in church. That is not, has nothing to do with my salvation. Let's make that clear. You guys follow me? So then how come this, how come this servant who didn't do the multiplication, that didn't use his talents or that monitor, the, 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 the money that he had. Back to what I said in the beginning, if we understand an element which was given to him is faith. Are you guys following me? Then the story makes sense. What are we doing with our faith? Where are we placing our faith? Because once again, the argument can't be that atheists or the non-believers say we have no faith. Ah, 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 that is not true. You have plenty of faith. But what have you done with it? Or have you placed it? Have you used it in a way that glorifies God? Have you used it in a way that the master wanted it to be used? Or have you used that element of faith and placed it elsewhere? Because of that fear that you have to give your life over to the Lord. Because of that fear that you have to die to yourself. You've done nothing with that faith that glorifies God. You simply have shifted it and buried it and placed it in a place where there's darkness. Are you guys following me? So what are the results? Two of them enter into the joy. Oh, that's great. One of them goes to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's take a look at that term real quick. The weeping and gnashing of teeth term appears seven times in the New Testament. And it always refers to a place basically where those will spend eternity away from God, what we know as hell. That's not a place where we want to be. Look at the contrast here. Joy. Weeping. Well done. Lazy and evil, right? Where are we on that spectrum? And my hope would be that all of us here have made that decision to place our faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're great, right? But is that faith by giving it to God and saying, you know what, this is what you want with the element of faith that you've given me. Now, well done, good and faithful servant. And certainly we need to be good stewards of the rest of the things he's given us. And for those of you who haven't made that decision, let me just encourage you, make that decision. Make that decision. Make that decision to, to commit your life to Christ, to, to, to display that, that, that decision, to make a decision and get baptized as well, to kind of show that, that you're making that step of faith and this is the place for it. Last Sunday was Mother's Day. And we went to Coronado. Coronado is beautiful, by the way. If you've never gone, go today. And eat a lot of stuff. That's what we do. We go there and we eat stuff. And we rented those bikes, those, uh, those family bikes. So it was six people on one bike. The problem is only four people pedal. Here's the other problem. I'm very heavy. So we have six people on the bike, four people pedaling. And for a while, it was a struggle. It was a struggle until we got the flow going, right? So we finally get on that long stretch. Where now we're going this way, and to the left is the bay, to the left is downtown, 
and in front of us is the beautiful bridge, and it's like a beautiful, beautiful day. And we see behind us this young little kid chasing after us. A little chunky little Latino kid running after us, right? And my family thinks that it's a game. And we're going, and the, and the, and the more he runs after us, the harder we pedal. And the poor little kid is running after us and sweating and, right? And so we're like, oh, don't let him catch us, guys. And, he's, and the faster we pedal and we're sweating and the poor guy is sweating and running after us. And like, don't let him catch us. Don't let him catch us. Like, what a cute game. Here's the problem. My daughter's friend who visited us lost her phone. And she's going, I can't find my phone. Oh, my goodness, where's my phone? And we start having conversation. Maybe your phone's over here. Maybe your phone's in the bathroom. Maybe your phone's at the restaurant. Maybe it's the bike thing. All along, the kids, hey, we're like, faster, faster, he's going to catch us. Finally, we realize, wait a minute. I don't think he's playing the game. So we slow down. He's like, I have your phone. <laughs> we're like, oh, my gosh. How funny we're running. Here's the point, right? What he wanted for us was what we needed. And he was chasing after us and chasing after us. And in our ignorance, we're running away, running away. And so many times, you guys, what God, we understand what God has for us is good, right? Let's not fear giving our life to him. Let's not fear dying to ourself. Let's embrace that what he wants for us is good and everything we have good is his. And that we should all make that decision, right, to serve and follow Jesus Christ because he's a good God and he loves us. So we're going to go to a time of communion right now. And during this time, I just want to encourage you to, to wrestle with this message, right, and if you have not made a decision, make that decision. Come chat with DJ, myself, or Raleigh, or Scotty, or one of the ushers, and let us know that you want to make that decision for Christ. Or you can make it right there in your heart. And then you know what? Next steps, get baptized. Make that confession in front of a man as well. And for those that have made those decisions, which are many of us, what are we doing with our time, our treasures, and our talents? And hopefully we understand that they are for God's glory and to build his kingdom, not for ours. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time. And as we enter this time of communion, God, and we take the elements, Lord, I just thank you for this chance to reflect on the sacrifice that you've made for us, God. And that we would trust you, God, that we would live a life of faith and not fear, God that we would live a life to build your kingdom and not ours, God, that we would serve you wherever we were, Lord, whether it's here in the church and indeed there's opportunity, Lord, but beyond at home and our relationships at work throughout the week, Lord. We just pray that the things that you've entrusted us, Lord, that we would be ready for your return and ready to be and take account of it, Lord, 